Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Happy Memorial Day, guys. This is your Double or Nothing 2022 review. I am the Solomonster. Hope everybody who is celebrating today is having a relaxing Memorial Day. I had a very late night last night, as I know many of you did. Uh, up very late for the Double or Nothing stream since the pay-per-view did not end until well after midnight on the East Coast. Uh, I do want to uh, thank everybody who stayed up late with me, though. We had well over 2,000 people even after 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, you guys came out with the Super Chats and the support last night. So it means a lot to me, especially on a night where I was not happy uh, with the audio, which is why I'm recording this right now. I just wanted to make you guys aware of the fact that the audio you are about to listen to, which is the full Double or Nothing recap from last night's stream, is not up to the usual standards. It does not sound very good. Now, you may not notice it as much. It depends on how you're listening to this. You might notice it more if you have your, your AirPods in or something. Uh, but you're going to hear that it's very echoey and it's very tinny. And it improves in certain parts and then it gets bad again. And I had to constantly plug and unplug the microphone. Long story short, I come to find out when the stream is over that it was a very simple fix. And what happened is there was a secondary microphone input that usually is muted and for whatever reason, it was unmuted. And I didn't realize it until the stream was over. And had I taken 30 seconds to stop what I was doing and actually examine the situation, I probably would have figured that out. But once I get going, I don't like to stop for too long because then people drop off. So anyway, that's why the audio might sound a little wonky. It is fixed. It should not happen again. It is listenable. But again, if it's not up to the usual standards, uh, I apologize. I hate stuff like that. And I apologize, but I just wanted to make you guys aware of uh, why it might sound that way. And uh, that's all I got. So you're going to hear the full review now from last night. Uh, I'll be back live as usual for the Dynamite stream on Wednesday. And of course, episode 759 coming up next weekend. We got another pay-per-view. It's another WWE pay-per-view weekend. But uh, for the time being, enjoy the Double or Nothing review. And again, if you are celebrating, I hope you guys are having a very happy Memorial Day. Enjoy the recap. It is very late. It is Monday, May 30th, 2022, and this is your Double or Nothing review. I am the Solemn Monster. Because AEW only has so many pay-per-views per year, Tony Khan loves to just squeeze as much into those pay-per-views as he possibly can. Tonight was no exception. We had a 13-match card that uh, only ended a little before 1 a.m. here. Tony Khan wanted to make it so that the Punk and Hangman main event would not hit the ring until Game 7 was over. The Celtics game, he wanted to make sure the Celtics and the Heat, Game 7 was over. Then and only then would Punk and Hangman go out to the ring. I think Game 7 was over and we still had two matches before the main event. That main event was CM Punk against Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. The one and only title change on the entire show. 
And for the first time in almost a decade, CM Punk is a world champion again in professional wrestling. CM Punk is the new AEW World Heavyweight Champion after a very good main event. Overall, I thought it was a very good show. It's a weird show because about midway through, I wasn't feeling that way. I was feeling like, all right, this is going to be one of the more underwhelming AEW pay-per-views. We hit kind of a lull in the middle of the show. And then things picked up again. After a couple of really good matches at the beginning, it just kind of went, eh. You know, we fell into that little lull in the middle. But then things really picked up. And culminated with that main event. So I I cannot say that this is one of the best AEW pay-per-views that they have produced. But this ended up being a very good show. Very long. Very long. And if I'm Tony Khan, I do not want to make a habit out of doing this. Because I do think, and look, credit to the fans in Las Vegas. Because they were hot for that main event. They're sitting there for four hours. I mean, look, I've been to WrestleManias where it's a WrestleMania in a big stadium. And you get to that you know, four-hour mark thereabout, and people are just, they're dead. They're they're ready to, you know, get the hell out of there. And the people were up for that main event, but these shows do not need to be this long. There were matches on this show that when they were over, I felt like, okay, th- this is a match that could have been on Dynamite. There were at least a couple of matches like that. Although I'm guessing he intentionally put them on there because he wanted to make sure that basketball game was over before the main event went to the ring. Punk and Hangman, like I said, the only title change on the entire show. A lot of people coming into tonight were wondering, what is the situation with MJF? I talked about it on the podcast earlier today, or yesterday, I guess. Episode 758 went through the whole MJF situation. Would he or wouldn't he? Would MJF show up for the match with Wardlow? Would he no-show double or nothing? And I said that would be a terrible, terrible thing for him to do, if for no other reason because of how badly it would fuck over Wardlow. And that is something that Wardlow did not deserve. Because tonight was the biggest match of his entire career. Tonight was going to be Wardlow's night. There was never a doubt in my mind about who was going to win that match tonight. All he had to do was show up. Now, how much of it is legit? How much of it did they work? I don't get the impression that it's a work. I think there are some very real issues for he and Tony Khan to work through going forward... I don't know what the future holds for MJF, but I know that he showed up tonight and he did business the right way and Wardlow got his win. Wardlow is officially now signed to an AEW contract, but the match did take place. We also had the finals of the men's and women's Owen Hart Foundation tournaments with an appearance by Owen's widow, Martha Hart. We saw her on Dynamite a few weeks ago. She was back on the show here tonight to present the male and female winners with the Owen Cup and their respective championship belts. We got to see what the belts look like. I got a, I got a photo for you. I'll throw that up in a little bit. So we had those tournament finals. And honestly, those were some of the low points of this show. When I look back on this card, one of the weakest parts of the show was the Owen Hart matches in the ring. The presentation at the end was very nice. <clears throat> it was very nice, and it was nice to hear from Martha. Uh, in the ring, not the strongest action on the show. But then you have anarchy in the arena. We had the Jericho Appreciation Society, the Blackpool Combat Club, Eddie Kingston, Santana, Ortiz, 
Haven't really been feeling this whole program. A lot of it's been hit or miss for me. You know, Jericho with his fireballs. I'm a wizard. Ooh, I'm a wizard. Okay, fine, whatever. He's Merlin the wizard. I, I didn't know what to expect here in this match. But I know that it was already late in the show, and I said, oh my god, we have this anarchy in the arena. Now what? How long is this going to go? And from the moment that that thing started, it had my attention. It held my attention the entire time. But what we ended up getting was probably the wildest street fight that I have ever seen on a professional wrestling pay-per-view in all the years I've been watching pay-per-views. In all the years I've seen street fights, I cannot remember one being as just wild and wildly entertaining as the one that we got tonight. They tried something different. It was basically stadium stampede instead of, you know, in a stadium with no fans. They did it in front of a live crowd. Right? First kind of quote-unquote post-COVID stadium stampede, but in an arena is basically what it was. And I thought it worked. It was a lot of just shit thrown together. It was brawling. We got the WWE camera cuts because there were things going on all over the building. I wasn't a fan of all the cuts, but they were trying to cover everything that was going on. It was a spectacle. It was like unlike anything I had ever seen before. And it kept my attention. I thought it was very entertaining. So kudos to everybody for putting that together. And we had some news on this show as well. Some new faces have arrived in AEW. They are familiar if you're a wrestling fan. So Stokely Hathaway, former Malcolm Bivens, is officially in AEW. Athena, I've been waiting for this one. I was wondering what's what's taking so long. I couldn't imagine what was what was taking so long. She finally showed up here tonight, made her debut. And Roosh, former Ring of Honor World Champion Roosh, also making an appearance on this show. Looks like he and Andrade are going to be linked up going forward. So uh, as big as this roster is, even more talent introduced now. Where will they fit into the show? Who knows? But definitely some uh, interesting things to talk about here tonight. Do me a favor. I know it is very late. I will try to uh, I will try to get through this as quickly as possible. But uh, hit that like button if you would. Super chats are open. And uh, let me know in the chat if uh, I do I do see some of the the uh, the messages here in the chat. Let me know if indeed the uh, the audio is okay. I want to make sure the audio is good before I start going through this whole thing here. So just uh, let me know. Don't troll me. Don't troll me. It's too late to be trolled. I want to know, are you legitimately having issues or no? I will, I will try to fix it here before we go on, but let me know. But again, I will, uh, I will be reading your uh, Super Chats a little bit later. All right, hang on a second, guys. Hang on. I want to make sure everything is uh, all copacetic here. No, all right. Let me see if I let me see if I can. Uh... Sounds perfect. No issues. No issues. All right, we're gonna move on. All right. So uh, I got a couple of notes from people telling me that uh, WWE had a box truck. Outside the building tonight, they were advertising Money in the Bank. 
And they were wondering, you know, what my thoughts were about that. And I said, no, it's great. It's great promotion. I have no issue with them doing that. I just wondered if the advertisement on the box truck actually was for the correct venue. Because, of course, they've moved money in the bank from a stadium into a a much smaller building. So (laughs) I wonder if it's the old ad or if it's the new advertisement. That I'm not sure. That I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, the buy-in pre-show match, let's kick off with this. This was the debut of Hookhausen. Hook and Danhausen, tag team partners for the first time here tonight, taking on Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling. Short but fun. Short match, not a whole lot to it, but I thought it was fun for what it was. Hook started out. Uh, Danhausen tagged himself in almost immediately and got some offense in before he got cut off. Eventually, he made the tag back to Hook, who came in. He was throwing Nice and Sterling around, dumped Sterling right on his head, and was setting up for the red rum, but Danhausen wanted the tag, so Hook gave it to him. And in comes Danhausen. He puts his foot on Sterling's chest, and he gets the one, two, three, so he gets to pick up the win for his team. Exactly as I said it would happen in the predictions. I said Hook is going to throw these guys around. Hook is going to have this match won. And then he's going to tag it, or Dan Housen's going to tag himself in. And he's going to end up picking up the win for his team. And so that's exactly what happened here. Not really a whole lot of uh, surprises. Hook gave him a fist bump when the match was over. So it looks like Hook is cool with Dan Housen. They, they're, you know, uh, best friends here now all of a sudden. Hook and Dan Housen. This might be a more uh, permanent thing than I thought. But the fans were into it. The fans loved this. So the main card opened with the most anticipated match of the night. The most talked about match after the events of the last 48 hours. The most talked about match of the night was, of course, MJF one-on-one against Wardlow. All right, hang on a second here. I, I, I want to make absolutely sure that you guys are not having any audio issues. So let me make a, uh, a change. I don't want to start getting into these matches here and then I hear that you guys, uh, I sound like a robot or something, so... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If there's any echo, I want to make sure I fix it. So hang on a second here. Hang on a second, guys. Hang on. All right, so you guys will let me know. 
that should, if there were any issues, it looks like uh, that should hopefully fix it. So you guys will let me know if that sounds okay. But anyway, as I was saying, it's too late for this shit. It's too late for any kind of audio issues. It's, it's too late. It's too late for this bullshit. Let's get right into it here. Uh, MJF did show up tonight. There were questions about whether or not he would actually be on the show. And, you know, he's having problems with Tony Khan and all that. What, what effect might that have on the event tonight? I was hoping that there wouldn't be any issues here because this was a big moment for Wardlow. This match has been built up for so long. And the fans wanted to see MJF get his comeuppance. They wanted to see Wardlow, I think, finally get his hands on this guy. It would have been awful, awful, if MJF would have pulled himself voluntarily off this show and we did not end up getting this match. But thankfully, MJF did come out. He didn't look very happy. He didn't have a very happy look on his face. Uh, There was no Sean Spears. It was just MJF by himself. And he got showered in asshole chants that were almost as loud as his music. He also got uh, he showed up chants. They were trolling him. They were very happy to see that he showed up. Uh, Also very telling that the announcers made no mention of uh, any of the drama of the past few days. So anybody who thought that maybe they would kind of work it into a storyline or, uh, you know, they would would, uh, address it, you know, on TV or something like that. No mention. If you didn't follow along on all the wrestling news sites and social media, what's been going on, you would never know. You would never know that anything was amiss over the last 48 hours. Wardlow was cuffed. He was inside the holding cell backstage at the T-Mobile Arena. And he was escorted to the ring by security. No music. As soon as Wardlow got into the ring, MJF powdered out to the floor. Wardlow eventually got him hoisted up for the power bomb. MJF bit him on the head to escape. And Wardlow caught him for another power bomb attempt. MJF turned it into a Rana, got a near fall out of it. Then he tried feigning a knee injury, which you know, the fans saw right through that. He tried using the dynamite diamond ring. Bryce Remsburg pulled it out of his hand. Everything that this guy was trying, it wasn't working. And ultimately. Wardlow did get him up for the power bomb. He hit the power bomb, the first one. First of many. Before this show, Wardlow said that he was going to power bomb this guy until he could not physically power bomb him anymore. He was going to set a record for power bombs. Now, I don't know if we saw a record, and shout out to Shin Akuma. It's one of my favorite super chats there. Down goes Disco. That's the day Disco died there. But he was going to power bomb this guy until he physically couldn't do it anymore. So we had the first power bomb. He hit the second power bomb. He hit a third one and a fourth one, a fifth one. He put his foot on his chest after the fifth one, and then he took his foot off. He was not done punishing this man. He hit number six, then hit number seven, eight, nine, and the crowd came alive for the tenth and final power bomb. Foot on the chest, and that was all she wrote for Maxwell Jacob Friedman here in this match. Wardlow is officially free from MJF's contract. They rolled out the gurney. Doc Sampson placed an oxygen mask over MJF's eyes and nose. The crack medical staff for all elite wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. Always good to have the oxygen mask over your eyeballs. That's always very helpful. I actually thought that was hilarious. And they wheeled him out of the arena. 
I don't know what the future holds for MJF. I don't know in this entire situation. Clearly, there's issues going on, but where reality ends and uh, you know, fantasy begins, nobody knows for sure. Whatever issues there are between Tony Khan and MJF, I hope for MJF's sake that they can work them out. Because Tony Khan is not just going to let MJF walk into Vince McMahon's open arms. He has 18 months left on his contract. 18 months. And if he wants to make great money, if it's a money issue, maybe it's more than just money, but if it's a money issue, he's going to make a lot of money. All he's got to do is be patient. MJF has been in some of the best television segments on Dynamite for months now. He doesn't wrestle very often. It almost feels like a special event when we find out that MJF is in a match. But he's on television every week. Compared to most people on that roster, he's in a pretty damn good spot in terms of exposure on the card. But if it's a money issue, we talked about this on the podcast earlier. He stands to make a lot of money the closer he gets to the end of his contract. He goes to WWE. There's no telling what they'll do with him. This is different than Cody Rose. This MJF character. Can MJF as he exists now? Can MJF as we know him? Can this MJF exist in a PG WWE? A toned down version of him, yes. This version of MJF, no. And it's far from a guarantee that they would know the best way to use him. So it's one of those be careful what you wish for type things. If he wants to go to WWE so badly, he could be in for a rude awakening. I hope they can work out their issues. MJF has been a pivotal part of these shows. He is one of the pillars of this company. And he is the one who I had pegged to take the AEW World Championship from the man who now has the AEW World title. So I'm hoping they can get things worked out. But if this is his final appearance or his final appearance for a while, he went out the right way. He put over the big guy. This was the biggest win of Wardlow's career. And I give also MJF a lot of credit because as much as we could talk about how Tony Khan, this whole storyline with Wardlow and how well booked it's been, it doesn't work if MJF isn't as great of a fucking jerk as he is on these shows. As great of a heel as he is on TV, he deserves a lot of credit for making this work and helping to get Wardlow over to that next level as well. It's not just Tony Khan, it's MJF who deserves credit for that too. This was dominant, decisive. You can call it a burial if you want to. MJF certainly, you know, he didn't, he didn't get a lot of offense in here in this match. Uh, but this was exactly what it needed to be. And it makes me wonder, though, without all the behind-the-scenes drama, how differently might this match have played out? Would it have been more competitive? Would it have been longer? We, we may never know. Tony Khan right now is in the middle of doing a, a media scrum. Perhaps he'll talk more about the situation. Maybe he already has. How different might this match have looked were it not for all the drama that's unfolded over the last 48 hours? After the match, Tony Schiavone told Wardlow that, per Tony Khan, he is now officially all-elite and they threw up the graphic on the Tron. There it is. You guys know it's never it's never official until you get the graphic up on the screen. So Wardlow is officially all elite. And uh, where he goes from here, hopefully, hopefully higher up on the card. You know, look, Wardlow is a guy who can be a world champion for them one day. Right now, it's not his time. 
I don't know what or who he moves on to next. It's important to keep him on TV and make sure he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. But this was the beginning, I think, of the next phase of his career. This guy right here that you see on your screen, this guy's going to be a world champion in this company one day. He might be the one carrying this company on his back in a couple of years. And he'll be able to trace it back to this match here tonight. We had the Young Bucks against Matt and Jeff Hardy. Elite against Delete is the way that they uh, promoted this match. I do want to welcome everybody who is uh, joining. I know it is a uh, very late night. I guess it really depends on what time zone you're in. Uh, But everybody who's here tonight, welcome. And uh, everybody who is sending in a super chat, man, I give you guys a thumbs up. You guys are committed. (laughs) You guys are committed as late as it is. And I will read all of your messages I don't care if it takes all night. Uh, the Young Bucks against Matt and Jeff Hardy. Caprice Coleman from Ring of Honor sat in on commentary for this match. Caprice Coleman is very good. I, I want to make sure I give him his props. I thought he did a very good job on commentary tonight. Uh, this was the first time the Bucks and the Hardys have been in the ring together in a match since their ladder war from Ring of Honor five years ago. The night before the Hardys returned to WrestleMania. Got that big reaction to WrestleMania in Orlando. That's how far back you'd have to go to find the last match between these two teams. Uh, There was a Jeff Hardy attempt at poetry in motion in the corner. Nick Jackson, though, out on the apron, caught him coming in with a kick. Inside, Matt Hardy had Matt Jackson in position for a razor's edge. Nick came in, broke it up with a super kick. Jeff hit a whisper in the wind to take out Nick and dove to make the tag. And Jeff's boot obviously came untied. He was moving around, kind of wonky, and then I looked and you could tell that his boot was was completely loose and he never bothered to fix it. You know, I mean, if the laces were out, it takes a long time to lace that shit up. So he never fixed the boot, he never secured it, and he wrestled the rest of the match with this boot basically hanging off his foot and he was trying to make sure his boot didn't come off. It's like he was Kerry Von Erich in there all of a sudden. So I think that had a lot to do with how weird Jeff was moving around for the rest of the match. Now, Jeff Jeff doesn't move as fast as he used to because he's in pain and he's a lot older. But it was very clear Jeff was moving very tentatively for the rest of the match. It wasn't an injury. I just think his boot was loose and he wanted to make sure that it didn't come off in the middle of doing a move off the ropes. So that kind of made uh, things a little weird for him for the rest of the match. Uh, the Bucks, Nick, inadvertently hit his brother with a rising knee, and then accidentally cracked Brandon Cutler in the face out on the floor. Hardy's hit poetry in motion. Matt Jackson countered a twist of fate by slingshotting Matt Hardy. i got to specify which Matt I'm talking about. We have two Matts in this match. We have two Matts wrestling on a mat, so I have to be very uh, specific here. They uh, gave Matt Hardy a slingshot into his brother. Jeff, though, countered on the top rope with a jawbreaker. So Jeff Hardy is on the top with one of the Bucks, and it looks like Jeff crotches himself. But then the Buck falls down. Even the commentators are are confused. And I think it was Excalibur trying to explain to uh, Jim Ross, who said, oh, that's a horrible landing for Jeff Hardy, but Jeff Hardy isn't selling it. And Excalibur is explaining that it was a jawbreaker. Uh, He meant to do that. Meanwhile, this guy crotched himself and totally no-sold it. (laughs) So that was fucking weird. Uh, Matt avoided the swanton bomb. 
and hit a twist of fate Matt Jackson did. Twist of fate of his own, followed by a Nick Jackson twist of fate for a near fall. So the Bucks now, they're going after the Hardys with super kicks. It's a super kick party here. And now Matt and Jeff are on their knees, and they're basically saying, you know, bring it on. And the Bucks deliver uh, more super kicks. Both Hardys kick out at the same time in stereo. A double kick out by Matt and Jeff. Outside the ring, the Bucks turn the steel steps over on their side, place Matt Jacks or uh, position Jeff Hardy on top of them. Jeff recovered, and Jeff ended up placing Matt Jackson on top of the steps, and he hit a swanton bomb. From the top down onto the steps, much like he did in his match with Darby Allen on Dynamite in the Owen Hart tournament. Matt Hardy hit the twist of fate in the ring for a great near fall. Nick cradled Matt. Hardy came back with a side effect and another twist of fate. Jeff climbed up, landed one final swanton bomb for the win, and then immediately ran into the crowd like he thought all of a sudden it was his final night in WWE. He ran into the crowd. He's high five and fans he loops back around comes over the barricade gets into the ring and now he's back and he celebrates his big win with matt uh this ended up i gotta say being a hell of a war between these two teams these these guys you know went at it here in this match uh matt matt uh, hardy got his mouth busted open you know jeff always looks like he's in pain I expected the hardys to go over though it's why i picked them in my predictions because the story here it's not about the bucks you know, the Bucks have been AEW Tag Team Champions before. Matt and Jeff have not been. The story here is the Hardys going for one final Tag Team Championship that they have never held before in their career. The, the final Hardy run. In order to do that, they have to win. So I figured they were going to win here because they're on their quest for the championship. Now maybe they're going to have another match. This might not be the only match. It might not be one and done between these two teams. Uh, But I thought it was the right outcome, and this match ended up being a hell of a lot better than I expected it to be. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for this next match. Uh, Jade Cargill and Anna Jay for the TBS Championship. This was a terrible match, but it was newsworthy for what happened at the very end. Uh, I just thought overall it was just a very sloppy match. And there was there was a lot of sloppiness in certain matches on the show, but this match in particular, this this was this was not good. Uh, out on the floor, Anna Jay sent Jade into the steel steps. Kiara Hogan and Red Velvet, of course, are members of Jade's baddies faction. They were out there. They tried to get involved, and uh, Anna Jay hit them with a double DDT. Back in the ring, Cargill went for the Jaded. Anna turned it into a, uh, or turned around and hit her with a thrust kick. Here comes smart Mark Sterling, making his first appearance since he got his ass kicked at the beginning of the show on the buy-in. And he's got a crutch. And here comes Sterling down to the ring. He tried to distract the referee. Anna Jay grabbed the crutch away from Mark Sterling and ended up using it on Jade as a weapon. She used it for an assisted Russian leg sweep. So it backfired. And it almost cost Jade the championship, but only got a near fall. John Silver ran out, hit Sterling with a brain buster on the floor. Back in the ring, Cargill hit the eye of the storm for a near fall. Anna Jay countered the Jaded into her Queen Slayer sleeper. Jade powered out of it. They ended up on the top rope. They're jockeying for position. 
Now, all of a sudden, there's a commotion in the aisle, and I can't really see what's going on. Hey, shout out to Matthew Hender, who just subscribed. Oscar, with the double thumbs up. What's going on, Matthew? There's a commotion, and the camera pans over, and we see the former Malcolm Bivens, fresh off his run with Diamond Mine in NXT. He made the decision that he did not want to re-sign with WWE when they wanted him to sign a new deal, and so they got rid of him. They cut him. They gave him what he wanted. And he was talking, well, I don't know if I want to, you know, stay in wrestling. I might do other things. He did like a stand-up comedy show. Please. Please. Didn't even take a full two months. Just when you think they're out, they pull me back in. He was never going to get out. And he's a huge pickup for them. I'm not, yeah, I'm already getting messages from people online. Oh, I'm sure he's going to sell a lot of tickets. <laughs> he's going to sell a lot of tickets. That's going to put asses in the seats, you fucking moron. No, he's a talented guy who can contribute on the show. I'm not saying he's the second coming of Stone Cold Steve Austin or something on those lines. He can definitely be an asset on this show. Don't be a fucking moron. When I say these things, you know exactly what I mean. But it's the trolls, of course, who love to just say stupid shit. They make themselves look like morons. So I call them out for it. No one can doubt the talent that somebody like Stokely Hathaway has. You put a microphone in this guy's hands, he's very entertaining. And if you want to use him to help get somebody else over, he can do that too. That's where his real strength is. So I was very happy and very excited to see him coming down the aisle. And, you know, you could, there were fans in the crowd who knew who it was. It took them a few seconds to recognize him. But once they did, they, they reacted like they were happy to see him. Uh, this distracted Anna Jay, which allowed Jay to hit a top rope jaded for the win, which looked very weird because they had to get in position, right? Anna was very tentative, and you can understand why. She's on the top rope. She doesn't want to kill herself. She's not used to being up there. So she had to stand up there perfectly. And then she took the move, got pinned, and now as we get into the post-match stuff, as if you go back and watch, she immediately was up on her knees in the corner. I mean, she just took this woman's finish from the top rope. She should have been laid out. And, you know, that wasn't the case. She was basically back up on her feet, you know, 90 seconds later. But the funniest part of this, the funniest part of all of this, so Jay Cargill picks up the win, all right? And... Stokely Hathaway, he gets into the ring to celebrate with Jade and the baddies. And the funniest part about this entire thing is Excalibur on commentary is trying to explain why this man is now aligned with Jade Cargill when she had Smart Mark as her lawyer, right? Smart Mark was her her representation. And Excalibur says that uh, because of Mark's uh, interference that backfired a minute ago, Jade... She goes, Jade must have somehow hired Stokely to be her representative on the spot, which implies that he had to know that his services were needed, and he was just he just happened to be in the back. And Jade Cargill, I guess she sent up some kind of smoke signal. And he looked up like, you know, you have the sky writing you see in the sky sometimes, and he looked up and he saw it, and he said, oh, that's my cue. I guess Jade Cargill also controls uh, the, the elements of space and time. Can't shit on Excalibur. He's doing his best to try to explain this shit, but there's really no logical explanation for this. Uh, Chris Statlander ran out to confront all three women in the ring, and uh, she had her eyes, though, locked on one. 
She had her eyes locked on Jade and the TBS title. I said in my predictions that I not just talk about this. I said Statlander should be the next person in line to go after Jade Cargill and the TBS championship. She should have won the Women's Owen Hart tournament, if we're being perfectly honest. She never should have been bounced out of the semifinals. But I said Statlander should be the one next in line to challenge Jade. So when she came out here, I was very happy to see that. Because she is the most logical choice. And I, frankly, I think she's somebody who uh, should be a candidate considered to be the first person to beat Jade Cargill. Who is still undefeated. Now she's, she moves now to 32-0. and 0. Uh, Statlander was out there. All of a sudden, though, we hear music. Don't recognize the music, because this is a new person that we've never seen on this show before. But once she came out, we knew exactly who it was. And the crowd reacted. They gave her a nice reaction. It was Athena, the former Ember Moon, making her AEW debut. And the only word I thought of when I saw her come out here was, finally, what took so long? That was the only surprising thing about this, is that it took this long to get her on television. Why the wait? Why the holdup? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. She looked very happy to be there. And uh, again, she's also much like Hathaway, a natural addition to that roster. She, she will be a nice addition to the women's roster on these shows. So she got into the ring side by side with Statlander and Anna Jay. So now uh, Chris Statlander's got herself some backup now against the baddies. And uh, I like the debuts here. The match was awful. I mean, let's be honest. The match, the match was terrible. But I do love the uh, the additions to the roster. I think they're very strong. We had Death Triangle against the House of Black. Ooh, look at this. Look at JM dropping a $200 bomb. Uh, JM coming in hot. So this was uh, this was a pretty crazy match. Phoenix and Malachi Black, they avoided each other's heel kicks at the beginning. It was a lot of tit for tat here at the beginning. The guys were tagging in, and they were, you know, one guy would hit a move, the other guy would show him up. And the crowd was loving the shit out of this. You know, they gave these guys a standing ovation. Uh, at one point, all six guys, they ended up brawling in the ring together. We had a face-off between them. Uh, Brody King sent Pack out to the floor, set up for his big dive, but the uh, two teams, again, they faced off in the middle of the ring. House of Black isolated Penta in the ring. Matthews, Buddy Matthews, 
took him out with a diving meteora. Pack cut off Matthews with a poison rana and a running lariat. And uh, Brody King flattened Pack with a black hole slam. There was a uh, triple team splash on Brody King that got two. Uh, Matthews blocked a suicide dive from Ray Phoenix where it looked like Matthews was supposed to catch him. So Phoenix comes diving through the ropes. And I think the idea was, uh, I've seen Bobby Lashley do this before. Uh, I think in matches with Ricochet, in fact, where the guy will come off the top rope and he'll catch him in the perfect suplex position. I think that's what they were going for here, but he couldn't quite uh, you know, get a grip and he kind of dropped him. So then he picked him up and just gave him a, a suplex or a brain buster on the floor. Or it might have been a suplex, but Pac landed a dive out onto Matthews. Black hit an Orihara moonsault onto Pac. Again, these guys were just, they were laying it all out there. Just one big move after the other. Boom, boom, boom. In succession. And that left Brody King. So Brody King is the biggest, physically, the biggest guy in this match. And he does not want to be left out. He does not want to feel like everybody else is getting in on all the fun. He wants to dive. So he hits the ropes, and he comes off with a dive, and he doesn't quite make it. <laughs> he was diving out over the top rope, and I don't know if his momentum stalled or, or what it was, but uh, he clipped his head on the apron on the way down. But that's what happens when everybody feels the need to dive, and you have guys, big guys, who have no business doing dives, who feel like they have to do it because everybody else does it. You end up with shit like that. Pack hit a brain buster on Malachi. Matthews broke up the pin. And uh, Penta stepped off, off his brother to hit a destroyer on the apron. Lucha Bros hit a footstop DDT combo on Brody King on the floor. Didn't even look like Ray Phoenix caught him on the stop. It looked like he completely just kind of whizzed by him. Uh, Malachi was alone in the ring against Death Triangle. He ate three thrust kicks. Lucha Bros wanted the foot-stop pile-driver combo. Malachi countered, hit the spin kick on Phoenix. And Pack cut off Malachi, set him up with the Black Arrow, which Matthews uh, put a stop to. Pack recovered, hit a springboard 450 splash over Matthews onto Black. Pack is great. So Pack took care of Buddy Matthews, and he... Went for uh, he went for a snap German suplex. Alex Abrahantes, who I saw again, he was on QVC earlier today. For those who don't know, Alex is a man of many talents, and so every now and then I'll be flipping around and I'll come across QVC, and there he is. He's like the HP guy. He's the big computer guy. He was on there earlier today, so he goes from that to this. And he gets up on the apron, and he's distracting the referee. And while the referee is being distracted and Malachi, uh, his back is turned, Pac kicks him low. He kicks Malachi Black low. That's retaliation for what Malachi did to him when he spit mist at his face and blinded him. But that was very much a heel move. Pac set up for the Black Arrow again, but this time the lights went out. This is an AEW specialty, when the lights go out. And the lights come back on. All of a sudden, there's Julia Hart. No varsity blondes. She's dressed all black. Julia Hart is in the ring. And she looks up at Pac on the top rope. And she spits the black mist right in his face. It blinds him again. And Pac comes down. He's, you know, flailing away. He can't see anything. And Malachi hits the spin kick on Pac for the win. 
This was a wild match as expected, uh, and a match that the House of Black needed to win more than Death Triangle did. As far as Julia Hart, you know, people popped for the uh, the missed spot. They popped for the Julia Hart turn. I have not been sold on the idea of Julia Hart joining the House of Black. She's very young. We haven't seen too much of her. She's She's not that great. I don't know what her acting skills are like. I don't know how much wrestling she'll be doing as part of this group. You know, if she's just there to stand there and kind of make faces and spit mist in people's face every now and then, then that might work fine. I'm not sold on her in this role. I will have to see how she does on television before I'm sold on the idea of her in this group. I just don't know that she really fits in this group. But in terms of what they did here, the people popped and uh, they were happy to see it. But we'll see. Time will tell if she can hold her own as a part of this faction. But, uh, But this was excellent. So then we had our first Owen Hart Foundation match of the night, the final on the men's side, between Samoa Joe, the reigning Ring of Honor television champion, and Adam Cole. They brought in Mike Chioda. Mike Chioda was bad. Now, he had officiated, I think, one match previously in AEW they brought him in for. Uh, And so they brought him in to officiate this match, which I, I thought was very cool. Mike Chioda refereed his fair share of Owen Hart matches back in the day. So it was very cool to see him. Uh, loud Owen chance to start the match. Both men pause to acknowledge it. It's very cool. You know, again, it, it's hard to believe it's been that long uh, since the accident when, when Owen passed away. It blows me away when I think of how old he was. He was only 34 years old, and, you know, I'm older than he is now when he died. He was only 34. For some reason, I just, you know, I thought he was older. Um, he's a young man, you know, when that all happened. It was so long ago. And so many fans of wrestling now who weren't watching back then or who were very young would have no concept of who Owen Hart even is because it's not like his likeness has been out there. It's not like all these new Owen Hart action figures and all these 2K video games that have come out and you can play as Owen Hart like you can play like Brett and all these other people. Um, and But there are people who are aware of who he is or have looked him up and watched his work and to hear him... him get his you know recognition and have his name chanted in this arena here in 2022 is pretty fucking cool. Uh, Joe brought Cole out to the floor. Cole sent him shoulder first into the ring post, the shoulder that was injured on TV last week. Cole worked over the arm until Joe countered a Panama Sunrise attempt. Joe absolutely blasted him with a lariat and turned him inside out. Joe set up for the muscle buster, but Cole fought out and hit a running kick for two. Joe fought out of a crossface attempt, hit a power bomb before transitioning into an STF. Cole had to fight to reach the ropes and force a rope break. Bobby Fish ran down. He wrenched Joe's arm across the top rope. Joe avoided the boom, locked on a rear naked choke, but a distraction from Bobby Fish forced him to break the hold. Cole then came back with super kicks before lowering the boom for the win. Uh, this was underwhelming. This was underwhelming. It wasn't bad, but it was a TV match. That's the way I would describe this. This was a TV match right down to the shitty interference at the finish by Bobby Fish. And it was interfe- interference that didn't even need to be. You know, I get that it's the undisputed elite, and so Cole has his boys with him, and he's a heel and all that. But... Joe had the shoulder injury that they were playing into the story of the match. Cole could have won the match just based on that story alone and going after the shoulder and working over the shoulder. 
I guess this was their way of protecting Joe by having somebody, you know, run interference here in the match. I just thought it made for a really lame finish to, you know, what should have felt like a bigger deal is the final of a major tournament. This tournament's been going on now for many weeks, and this was this was it. This was the final match, and it just came off to me as very lame and very underwhelming when it was over. So they went back-to-back with the Owen matches. We had the men's final. Adam Cole picks up the win. This time it was the women in the finals of the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, against Ruby Soho. They had Rich Ward on guitar playing Britt down to the ring. And Ruby got the live Rancid entrance. So we had Rancid there live in the building to perform Ruby Soho, appropriately titled. Uh, as Ruby made her way to the ring for the match. Ruby hit a shotgun dropkick off the apron to Baker. She took a a flatback bump on the floor in the process. That did not look like it was very fun for her to take. And she came up and she was selling her ribs for the rest of the match. She was having trouble breathing and holding her rib cage. They fought to the top rope. Soho got the upper hand, hit a superplex. A little while later, she climbed back up, landed a senton bomb for a near fall. Which is probably not a very smart move if you are selling uh, ribs, a a rib injury, going up top and hitting a flying senton. Probably not the best thing to be doing. So Britt Baker came back, hit the curb stomp, but only got two. She put on the latex glove, and she called for the lockjaw. Soho, though, rolled out of it. She hit the no-future kick, and then locked on an ugly-looking sharpshooter. This is definitely not an Owen Hart-esque sharpshooter that she locked on here. Uh, This was pretty bad. Britt got to the ropes for the break. And in a playoff of the finish to the most famous match that Owen Hart ever had in his career, WrestleMania, Britt against Owen. You remember the big finale. You remember the big finish to the match. They kind of uh, played off of that a little bit here. Ruby got a victory roll. But Britt Baker reversed it into a cradle of her own and got the win. So not exactly the Brett Nolan finish, but they did work that victory roll in there, which I, I appreciated that. Uh, the person who needed to win this tournament the least is the one who ended up winning. And that's my biggest issue with this. Britt Baker did not need to win this tournament. I figured Britt Baker is going to go to the finals because they, they're not going to have a pay-per-view like Double or Nothing and not have her on the show. But she'll put over whoever the babyface is in the main event, whether it's Ruby or whether it was somebody else. She did not need to win this match. And I still maintain, you know, and I look, I like Ruby. But the right person to win this tournament was not even in this match. Chris Statlander, once she got that, uh, you know, bye or whatever you want to call it, into the tournament when uh, Hikaru Shida went down with an injury. Chris Statlander, she's been repackaged, she's more serious, the fans like her, she's really good, she's one of the AEW originals. Yeah, I I know Britt Baker is too, but she hasn't had the kind of opportunities yet that Britt Baker has had. She hasn't had the chance to, you know, be a champion in the company, she hasn't had nearly the amount of television time that Britt has had. Statlander should have been the one to win this tournament, but person who uh, needed it the least is the one who ended up uh, getting the win here. Unless the idea, because my whole thought process with Chris Statlander is this. Chris Statlander could win the Owen. And out of that, 
she can become the number one contender. She could go after the TBS championship, and you still get to Statlander and Jade Cargill. You could still get to that same place. That was my thought process, and why, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to see her win the whole thing. Unless the idea here is that these belts that they gave them tonight are going to be defended. Because they got honorary Owen Hart championship belts, and I'm going to show you a picture of one of them here in a second. If the idea is that these two are going to defend these titles, then that's different, because maybe they have an idea in mind for, for wanting to do that. But even still, Britt Baker should not have won this tournament. That was a mistake. But when the match was over, Adam Cole came out, celebrated with Britt on stage, as Tony Schiavone introduced Dr. Martha Hart, who was escorted out onto the stage by Tony Khan. They looked so cute together. They looked like they were going to prom. Tony Khan is so weird, and he's like socially awkward in these situations. Just the way he was, the way he was moving and everything, and he, he gave her a hug and everything. He wouldn't let go, but he escorted her out onto the stage. They had a podium all set up so that she could speak, and Martha proceeded to give a very nice speech. Uh, she seemed genuinely uh, appreciative and genuinely taken aback by the reaction and the chance. You know, a lot of chance. Thank you, Martha. Uh, chance for Owen. You know, it was a very, it was a very nice moment. Uh, I was a little worried for a second there, given that we had two heels on stage with her, that they were going to cut a promo on her or something, and just, you know, they were going to turn this into a, <laughs> they were going to turn a, a positive into a very negative situation, but they didn't do that. But what happened is that uh, Cole and Baker both were presented with uh, matching Owen Hart championship belts. One had more black trim, uh, the other had more pink trim. And this is a picture of what one of those belts uh, looked like. That's actually a pretty cool-looking belt. And the other one looks uh, very similar. But, you know, there were rumors about this for a few weeks. You know, what are they going to do here? Are they going to present them with uh, trophies? Is there going to be one cup? Is it going to be, you know, championship belts and a trophy? They did have an Owen Hart cup out there. Uh, but the belts, I think, were a nice touch. Again, I have no idea if the idea is that they're going to be defended or, or you know, what the, uh, what the deal is here. But in any event, I think that that looks, uh, it looks tremendous. Oh, let me see here. Let me see what's going on. Let me see what's going on with my audio here because I'm getting a lot of weird messages from you guys here in the chat. And I have no idea why. Nothing was changed. Everything is, everything is the same. The only thing that changed is uh, Windows didn't update. I bet you Windows fucked me over. <laughs> I will bet you that Windows fucked me over. Well, I don't know what to tell you guys. It might resolve on its own, but uh, in any event, Adam Cole and Britt Baker are now the king and the queen of hearts. I think uh, Tony Schiavone made mention of that on commentary. They are the king and queen of hearts. I still feel like uh, that was the wrong outcome, but... The Owen has come and gone. We shall see if they bring it back again next year. The way Martha was talking, they did make it sound like this will be an annual thing. We had a mixed tag trios match. Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Paige Van Zant in her pro wrestling debut against Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti. If Sammy's team loses, he and Kazarian can never again Challenge for the TNT Championship. That was the stipulation coming into this match. Van Zant has been training only for a few weeks, maybe a month. She's been training with Gangrel. 
So this was her first time in an actual match. Sammy and Ty, uh, they worked the match as heels. At one point after Sammy hit a big move, he went outside and celebrated with her, and he was making out with her. And Kazarian was watching this from inside the ring and said, you son of a bitch, what are you doing? we got a match going on here. What's the matter with you two? So Scorpio Sky tagged in Van Zant, and she came into the ring one-on-one. Here we go. Paige Van Zant and Ty Conti. We're going to find out what Paige Van Zant looks like in a pro wrestling ring. She hit a couple of clotheslines and a back suplex. Sammy got inside to save Ty. Van Zant caught him with a tilt-a-whirl DDT that actually looked pretty good. She hit Conti with a Michinoku driver for two. Which, by the way, you know, for somebody with as little experience as she has, I don't know that I would want to take a Michinoku driver from somebody like that. That's kind of a dangerous move, I think, to be trying when you're that early into your uh, wrestling training. But she she didn't kill her with it. Uh, I thought her offense looked pretty decent for somebody as green as she is. Uh, Conti came back with a judo throw and some pump kicks in the corner. Conti hit her with some kind of a, a knee face buster. Jim Ross responded by asking, what the hell was that? <laughs> he had no idea what this was. Uh, Guevara and Conti made out in the ring, ended up surrounded by American top team. Kazarian opted to walk out. He decided to pull an MJF. He was going to leave them high and dry. Guevara made a comeback. That gave Kazarian, though, a chance to re-enter the match with a slingshot cutter. Guevara accidentally super-kicked his girlfriend. He super-kicked Ty Conti right in the face. He got thrown out to the floor. Scorpio Sky hit the TKO to Kazarian for the win. And so per the stipulations here, per the rules of this match, Kazarian and Sammy can never again challenge for the TNT title, at least so long as uh, Scorpio Sky is the champion. They can never again challenge for the TNT title. To that I say, thank God. Because it means, hopefully for now, that this feud is over. No more. No mas. Hopefully this is the end and we could all move on to something else. So I have no problem with that stipulation whatsoever. Uh, I I was not really a fan of this. I was most interested in seeing how Paige Van Zant looked. And she, she looked fine. She didn't embarrass herself in there. I thought she looked pretty good for somebody with her level of experience. But outside of that, I thought this was actually pretty bad. I, I was not a fan of this match. Uh, Kazarian was the only babyface also in the entire match. He didn't really have anybody to cheer for. I mean, people were, were cheering for Van Zandt because they, they like her. I mean, it's, it's not hard to see why. Uh, but one babyface in the entire match, Frankie Kazarian, who's not exactly portrayed as a major star on this show. Just the, the, the roles of everybody in this match, everything was so fucked this whole program, this whole feud, everything is so ass-backwards. None of it makes any sense. Are we supposed to cheer for Dan Lambert? Why would we do that? Nothing about this has really made much sense over these last few weeks. We had Darby Allen, who was out for revenge against Kyle O'Reilly. He was out for revenge over what happened to his father. He was out for revenge over what happened to Sting. When uh, Kyle came off the top rope, Sting had the chair wrapped around his ankle. That's why Sting was not here. Uh, this match got thrown onto this show on 48 hours notice. It just it was such an afterthought. It just like on Rampage Friday, okay, and, and Darby challenged him to a match, and so now we have Darby Allen against Kyle O'Reilly. 
And for a match that was added at the last second in the way that this one was, this ended up being one of the best matches of the entire show. You might even have it marked down as as the best match. And I wouldn't necessarily argue with you over that. This was a hard-hitting match. These two guys brought it here in this match. They beat the hell out of each other. Kyle caught him with a pretty fucking brutal knee to the face. I mean, right out of the gate, he caught this guy with a knee to the face. And uh, Darby came up bleeding from the mouth and uh, maybe had some of his teeth loosened. Wouldn't surprise me. Darby tried one of his scary topes out onto O'Reilly and somehow he came up short. He ended up doing like a cartwheel kick to O'Reilly. And so both of them were down. It looked like maybe his feet got caught in the ropes as he was coming through. He was very low as he was coming through the ropes, but uh, that, that did not look good. So they tried the spot again. On the opposite side of the ring this time, Darby just lawn darted himself through the ropes. And this time, O'Reilly caught him in a guillotine on the way down. Later on, Darby came back. He had a dragon screw over the ropes and a coffin drop on the apron. Back inside, Darby went for another coffin drop, but Kyle turned it into an armbar. Darby cradled O'Reilly to force an escape. Kyle choked Allen with his own chain that he had around his neck. Landed a soccer kick. Allen kicked out of one. Kyle hits the ropes, hits a second soccer kick for another near fall. Third soccer kick followed by a diving knee drop, and that was enough to give Kyle O'Reilly the win. That surprised me. I did not think Kyle O'Reilly was going over here. It was, it was a struggle to get the fans to care about this, because outside of a couple of moments here and there, they really didn't care. Fans were really not reacting to this. This is where I thought, okay, they're starting to tire out a little bit here. You know, they came back up for the main event later in the show. But again, when you have a show as long as this, with a card as deep, with this many matches, you're going to have lulls. You, the fans can't possibly keep that same energy universally throughout the entire four hours or four and a half hours, whatever it was, right? Going back to the buy-in. There's going to have to be a come-down match or there's going to be a come-down couple of matches. This kind of fell into that spot where... I think the crowd was coming down before they came back up. But these guys went out there and they wrestled this like they were in the main event. And like I said, they ended up having a a very good match. I don't think this is so much the start of a singles push for Kyle. I think, because look, I mean, he's, he's now taken out Sting and Darby Allen. And you might think, well, maybe they're going to give Kyle a big push. Maybe he's going to be TNT champion one day. I don't think this is so much a singles push for Kyle as much as it's a situation where now it's set up for when Sting and Darby are ready to come back. They're going to take out Red Dragon. That's what I think this is. With Thunder Rosa defending the AEW Women's Championship against Serena Deeb. And uh, let me just welcome everybody who is joining tonight. Again, I know it is very late. We are uh, talking about Double or nothing here tonight. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you're joining late, what I thought overall was a, a very good pay-per-view. Uh, not one of the best AEW shows that they've done before, but uh, there was a period of time where I was like, eh, I'm not so sure about this show. But the second half of the show really brought it back up. And this match here was one of the reasons why. Uh, Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb. You know, Thunder Rosa has had a grand total of one title defense, unless I'm missing one. One title defense before tonight, which was against Nyla Rose on that Battle of the Belt special a few weeks ago. Now, she only won the championship a couple of months ago, eh, five weeks, six weeks ago. So it hasn't been a very long run so far, but it's been very uneventful. And the TV segments leading up to this match were really not that good. I thought Rose's promo on TV on the Go Home Show, you know, this past week was uh, was pretty good. But most of the segments and the interplay between these two has been very, very lackluster. But I said, all of that can be forgiven if they go to the pay-per-view and the bell rings and they go out there and they have a very good match. Well, these two went out there and they had a quality match. And they got chance of this is wrestling early on after some mat wrestling between them. Serena chopped out uh, Rose's leg and applied a figure four leg lock. And then they uh, traded slaps while Deeb had her locked in the hold. Rosa rolled to the floor to break the hold. And Serena hit the Deeb tocks. Rosa got her feet on the ropes during the pin. She went for the Serenity lock. And then opted for a power bomb before applying a Texas cloverleaf. Rosa reached the ropes. Deeb wanted the Deeb tocks again, but Rosa went for a cradle to break it. And in the end, Rosa hit a superplex into a fire thunder driver for the three count to retain her women's championship. This turned into a very good match between two women who were very good at professional wrestling. It's just that the uh, the segments, the, uh, the the creative, whatever you want to call it, leading up to it, uh, did not get me excited for the match at all. But I knew when these two got in the ring that they were going to have a good match. That was the reason why I was looking forward to this. Had nothing to do with anything that, that, that was done on television to build it up. Hopefully uh, that'll be a different story, whatever the next feud is for Thunder Rosa. Yeah, I'm not sure that she's done with uh, Serena yet. This, this feud may not be over. Uh, but we know Statlander is, is probably going to go after Jade Cargill and uh, go after that TBS title next. You're not going to go back to Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker right now. So if not Serena, then who would be next? I don't have. I know they have rankings. I don't have the rankings in front of me, uh, but I'm trying to wonder. You know who who might be next in line for Thunder Rose? Who who would the obvious next challenger be? I don't know that there is an obvious next challenger, but I also don't think that it's uh, necessarily over between these two. And then it was time for anarchy in the arena. At this point, it was uh, after 11 o'clock already. And I was wondering how long they were going to give this match. How much time were they going to give this match? Well, they gave them plenty of time. This was unlike anything that I have ever seen on a wrestling pay-per-view. 
first words out of Justin Roberts' mouth were, the shit is about to hit the fan. And he wasn't lying. Out comes the Jericho Appreciation Society, all dressed in white. They look like they were coming to paint my house. Of course, when you consider all the blood that we saw in this match, it became pretty clear why they were all dressed in white. If you know you're going to have blood, you got to wear white. It shows so much better. That's why they wore the white. I guarantee you that's why they wore white in this match. Babyface has got the old shield entrance coming down the staircase through the crowd to Moxley's theme music. The heels decided to go meet them in the crowd, and the fight began. Anything goes, but the match could only end inside the ring. This was not false count anywhere. It was anarchy in the building, but it was not false count anywhere. So the only way for this match to end was inside the ring. And they kept Moxley's Wild Thing music playing for a good five minutes. They didn't stop. They just let the music play to the point where it looped, and it started over again. And I, I mean, some people might find that annoying. I actually thought it added a lot to the match. I thought it was kind of cool. Maybe not every song would work in that situation, but Wild Thing, in this case, it kind of worked. So the music just kept playing and playing as they're all brawling all over the place. Uh... I didn't see how it happened, but Matt Menard, he must have hit a fucking artery or something, because he was bleeding all over the place. He was in the crowd fighting. Again, I don't know how it happened, but he was the first guy to bleed. Tony Schiavone said that this was, and I, I like this, I like this reference. He said that this was Memphis Tupelo stuff here. If you've never heard of the, uh, the Tupelo concession stand brawl back in the 70s, I talked about it on the podcast before. Look it up. That, right, I guarantee you that was an inspiration for what we saw tonight. One other thing, and he didn't mention this, which is funny because I think he was doing commentary for those matches. You know what this reminded me of? Some of the old Nasty Boys matches in WCW. And I'm thinking of one in particular that they had with uh, Cactus Jack and Max Payne. But I think they may have had one with Public Enemy as well. But the Nasty Boys had at least a couple of these types of matches in WCW. Maybe not as wild as this, but pretty fucking wild and, and violent. And that's what this reminded me of. And those matches were fun to watch. And so was this. That was kind of the common thread between them. I thought this was uh, very entertaining. But you know, the, the reference to the Tupelo stuff, uh, at one point they cut to the uh, concourse by the concession stands in a different part of the building. And there's Eddie Kingston with Matt Menard, and he's covered in ketchup and mustard, or maybe it was blood. It might not have been ketchup, it might have been blood. But he had mustard all over him. So I just thought that reference was, was on point. Uh, one of the big spots of the match was uh, Santana and Ortiz back at ringside. There were two tables set up outside the ring. And Santana and Ortiz hit a street sweeper through both tables on the floor to Jake Hager. So they were all laid out there for a while. Jericho locked the walls of Jericho on Moxley on top of the timekeeper's table, which promptly collapsed under their weight. In the ring, Moxley loosened the top rope and took it off, which I realized this was only going to make the show longer. What do you do in taking the rope off? But he took the rope off. And uh, elsewhere in the arena, Daniel Garcia and Eddie Kingston, they were fighting in an elevator at one point. Again, this is where we were getting a lot of those WWE-style camera cuts because they were constantly shifting back and forth between different parts of the building. Uh, Parker and Menard, they were uh, laid out across tables. Santana and Ortiz brought these giant ladders over. 
This was in a different part of the uh, of the building. And they each scaled one ladder. Santana's on one, Ortiz is on the other. And they timed it perfectly at the same time. They both came off with dives down uh, through the heels, through the tables. Moxley, Danielson, Jericho, and Hager ended up in the ring exchanging strikes. Moxley laid in the hammer and anvil elbows to Hager. Danielson laid them into Jericho. Danielson put Jericho in the label lock. All of a sudden, as he's got Jericho in the label lock, here comes a bloody Eddie Kingston. looking like He looked like something out of The Walking Dead. He looked like he had just fought an army of 50 zombies and was just, he was sick of it. He was done. <laughs> he comes walking to the ring with a gas can. And he climbs into the... Because, again, Jericho burned his face with a fireball. And so he promised that he was going to get Jericho back. So he brings the gasoline can into the ring with him. He starts pouring gasoline all over Jericho and Danielson because Danielson has him in the label lock. And he's pouring gas on him. I felt like I was watching King of the Ring 98 again. Austin against Kane when The Undertaker brought a gas can into the ring and he started pouring gasoline on Earl Hebner. I still wonder to this day what his plan was. Why would he set the poor referee on fire? Maybe he was trying to wake him up. So anyway, he pours gasoline on these two. And Danielson gets up and he knocks the match. He was about to light a match. And he knocks the match out of his partner's hand. And he's getting up in Kingston's face. What are you doing? And so Kingston grabs Danielson. Now Kingston and Danielson are brawling with each other. And the heels see what's going on here and they... Seize the opportunity to attack. Moxley, somewhere in here, got knocked off the ring apron, down onto a barbed wire board that had been placed on top of the table. So he lands on the barbed wire board. That pretty much, you know, takes him out of commission for the rest of this thing. The Judas Effect wipes out Eddie Kingston. Jericho hits Danielson with the turnbuckle beam, that uh, metal rod, and he goes for the pin, but Danielson kicked out. The fans were into this. The fans, the fans were, this look at the spectacle. I mean, how often do you see a match like this? This was pure insanity. So the fans were eating this up. Danielson comes back with a running knee to Jake Hager, hits the running knee to a chair that Jericho was holding, knocks the chair back into Jericho's face. He went for the pin. Jericho, though, kicked out. Danielson shouted, and it was very audible. He shouted that he was going to kick Jericho's fucking head in. But Jake Hager grabbed Jericho's baseball bat. He started hammering away at Danielson's knee with it. Jericho locked on a single-leg crab while Hager choked out Danielson with a ring rope until he passed out. And referee Aubrey Edwards called for the bell. So kind of a similar finish to the last man standing match with John Cena and Umaga many years ago. where he choked the la- And I, as I recall, uh, I don't know if it was that match or there might have been another match. I think it was that match where uh, Cena may have been choking him a little too hard uh, with the rope to the point that Umagi either almost legitimately passed out or did legitimately pass out. But uh, John Cena never did know his own strength back then. So uh, that's kind of what that reminded me of. But when this thing was over, it was like, wow, well, what do you say? Yeah, I just thought, well, that was, that was certainly something. That was certainly something uh, unlike I have seen in a uh, very long time, maybe ever. It was basically a live-action version of Stadium Stampede. It is what it was in front of people. And it worked. It worked. They lived up to the stipulation. It was pure chaos. And I couldn't take my eyes off it the entire time. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, 
we had uh, it was it was getting late. To me, this was kind of like the wake up match. You know, this kind of woke me up here, where it was like, all right, now now I'm I, you know, I don't drink coffee, so I'm not into the energy drinks or the coffee or anything like that. But this kind of got me uh, my energy level back up here. We go to the back, and Andrade El Idolo is in an office with his assistant Jose. They're sitting at a table. And Andrade says he's not here in AEW to lose. Says the Andrade family office are a bunch of losers, which, I mean, I could have told you that. Of course they are. And I guess he doesn't want to be associated with losers anymore. So Jose, the assistant, had a contract ready for Andrade's new business partner. And all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door. And the door opens, and it is the former Ring of Honor World Champion and CMLL star, Roosh, has arrived in AEW. One of Andrade's good friends. Andrade goes for a handshake, and Roosh goes to shake his hand, but then he turns it into a fist bump. The, uh, the old Ingobernable fist bump, and Andrade gives it right back to him, and that was the entire segment, so... Roosh coming in, again, Roosh is a talented guy. I, I think Roosh has had issues before, behind-the-scenes type issues. I mean, that'll be kind of interesting to see. If he doesn't get the kind of television time maybe that he's used to getting elsewhere, how he might react to that. Uh, that's the risky run when you keep adding people to your roster and, and they start to get a little restless and they feel like they're not getting enough television time. But uh, Roosh is a talented guy. Look, they haven't done hardly anything with Andrade. So one of two things are going to happen here. Either Roosh is going to come in and he's going to wind up like a lot of other people where we barely ever see him on TV. Or maybe it'll help get Andrade more television time if Roosh is featured on TV. I don't know if they're going to be a tag team. I don't know if this is the start of a stable in AEW, specifically a stable. I I don't know. Uh, But he was one of the new faces that we saw pop up on the show here tonight. Backstage with uh, Dan Lambert and the Men of the Year. They were very happy to be done with Sammy Guevara. Who's next, they were wondering. Who's next in line for the TNT title? Dante Martin showed up. And Scorpio Sky told him to show up in SoCal on Wednesday. Uh, That's going to be the very first West Coast uh, episode of Dynamite in California. They're making their California debut at the Forum in Inglewood on Wednesday night. So I guess that's going to be... I don't know if they made the match official, but they're teasing that there's going to be a TNT title match on Wednesday. And I would not put it past them to change the TNT title because they're going to... I think they're going to want to do something big on that show. They're going to have a lot of executives there from Warner and Discovery. Uh, Tony Khan has talked about how they're throwing a big party for them when the show is over, some kind of mixer. And this is a big show for them. I would expect something big to happen on that show. Could be a TNT title change. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We had a three-way for the AEW Tag Team Championship with Jurassic Express, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse Hobbs, and Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. 
this was excellent. I thought this was excellent. <clears throat> the outcome surprised me. Match match was very good, but the outcome of the match, that caught me by surprise. Uh, we got some great tag team offense from Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, including an Escalera moonsault off of Lee's chest onto the three opponents outside the ring. The three big men squared off. Lee, Luchasaurus, and Hobbs. Luchasaurus went for a double choke slam. Hobbs and Lee, though, turned it into a combo choke slam. Lee dumped Hobbs to the floor, landed a tope out onto everybody. Luchasaurus and Lee traded strikes in the center of the ring. Hobbs took them both out, which led to Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy tagging in. Starks tried to pin Jungle Boy with his feet on the ropes, but Christian pushed them off, which led to Hobbs sending Christian into the ring steps. Jungle Boy saw this. He didn't like that very much. He didn't like, you don't put your hands on Christian. And so he did a dive out onto Hobbs on the outside and and beat the hell out of him. Starks hit a slingshot Rochambeau. Luchasaurus, though, broke up the pin at the last second when he tried to win the match. Luchasaurus accidentally booted Jungle Boy and was pounced out of the ring by Keith Lee. Swerve and Lee then hit a doomsday double stomp. I thought that was the finish. I, I bought into that part of it here as the uh, as the finish here to this match. Hobbs broke up the pin for another close near fall. Starks hit Lee with the FTW belt. Starks wanted to use the belt again, but Christian dragged him out of the ring. Swerve rolled up Jungle Boy for a close near fall. Jungle Boy avoided the Swerve stop, and then he and Luchasaurus hit the Thoracic Express to retain their titles. So, yes, that's right, Turtlehead. Jungle Jack Perry, victorious here in this match. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy retained their tag team titles. Uh, that's the part of this that surprised me. I did not see them walking out with those championships. Uh, but I don't see how you can watch this match or, or this in the House of Black match earlier in the show and you know not come away from this seeing how strong the tag team scene really is in this company. That was on full display here in this match. And in a very short period of time, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland have become a very uh, impressive team. If it were me, I would have put the belts on them here in this match. But I I thought this was excellent. So five years later, we finally made it. We finally made it to the main event. CM Punk challenging Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. We had dueling chants to open this match. But the uh, the champion seemed to be getting more booze. As the match went along, Hangman was getting uh, quite a bit more booze. Looked like it was getting to him. Hangman was setting up for the Buckshot Lariat. Punk, though, knocked him off the apron into the guardrail. And he got some booze for that. When he came out after him, Paige caught him with a pop-up powerbomb onto the edge of the apron. Hangman went up for the Orihara Moonsault, but Punk cut him off and hit a superplex. Punk with the running bulldog and the springboard lariat follows that up with a swinging neckbreaker. Hangman came back with the Orihara Moonsault. This time he nailed it. And again, set up for the buckshot. But when he landed on his feet, Punk took his legs out from under him and applied the sharpshooter. And this, this sharpshooter looked a lot better than the one we saw earlier in the show. Hangman got to the ropes. Punk was going for his own buckshot lariat attempt, but he didn't land right. His legs buckled underneath him. Now, I don't know if that was the idea, 
if that was intentional, because that's not the only time it happened here in this match. Uh, whether it was intentional or not, it looked like shit. <laughs> so, you know, it, look, it's not easy. Hangman does it all the time because he's used to it. Uh, but when you try to slingshot yourself into the ring and land on your feet, you know, you, you got to practice doing that stuff. It didn't look like CM Punk had a lot of practice trying this. So his legs buckled and uh, Hangman scooped him up. He tried for the GTS. He was going to use Punk's own move on him. But he got out of it. Punk tried the buckshot again, and again his legs buckled. So I'm thinking maybe he should stick to his own moves, or uh, Kenta's moves. He got up, though, and he hit the lariat. Then he signaled for the go-to-sleep. And Hangman fought out of it, hit a last-ride powerbomb into the dead eye. Punk was supposed to get his shoulder up, but he didn't. He did not. And the referee held his count anyway. So, this did not look good. I call it I call it the old Kurt Angle kickout. That's what I call it. Kurt had a habit of doing that all the time. Because for dramatic effect, he would wait and wait and wait. But then he would get his shoulder up at like 3.1. It used to drive me nuts. That's what happened here with Punk. Uh, Hangman now is mocking Punk. He's doing the whole signal for the go to sleep. That's going to be me in a few minutes. He nailed him with the uh, go to sleep. He nailed Punk with his own move. He went for the pin. Punk kicked out, though. He kicked out of his own finish. No sold his own finish. So they traded strikes. Hangman clotheslined him out over the top rope. They both went out together. Hangman immediately picked him up and threw him over the timekeeper's table and then grabbed his belt and said, you're never going to have this. And he put the belt in the ring. He just kind of set it down on the apron. He threw Punk back inside, and he was setting up for the buckshot. But Punk caught him in position for the GTS when he springboarded into the ring. And referee Paul Turner got caught in the line of fire here. He took a foot right to the face. So the referee got bumped. Paul Turner now is down. Paul Turner is out. And uh, Hangman, though, did end up completing the Lariat. So he's got CM Punk down, but there's no referee. The referee went down in in the middle of all this uh, craziness. So now Hangman has this crazed look on his face. His crazy, crazy eyes. And he peers over at the corner and he sees that the championship is sitting on the mat. And he's staring at it and he's thinking about it. And he goes over and he grabs the belt. And Punk at this point is on his knees and he's looking up at Hangman. And he's got his hand up to try to you know block whatever might be coming his way. And Hangman is teasing you know what he's going to do. He's going to use it as a weapon. And then he decides he has second thoughts. And he throws the belt down. He can't do it. He can't do it. So instead, he tries again for the buckshot. Punk, though, avoided it, and Punk hit the GTS. And here comes Paul Turner, who crawls over, and he does the slow, dramatic count. It's like an Earl Hebner-esque slow, dramatic count. One, two, three. And just like that, CM Punk is the new... AEW World Heavyweight Champion. A crisis of conscience costs Roddy Piper his Intercontinental title against Bret Hart at WrestleMania. And a crisis of conscience here costs the championship for Hangman Page here at Double or Nothing. I know what CM Punk was watching this week in preparation for this match. I know what old tape he was watching. I know what Bret Hart match he was watching. I thought this was a very good main event. This is a very good main event. 
And for the first time since 2013, almost a full decade, CM Punk is a world champion in a pro wrestling company. It's been a long time since we've seen CM Punk with championship gold in a pro wrestling ring. This was inevitable. We knew at some point CM Punk, his his quest, his storyline quest, was going to bring him to the title. I don't know what the situation is going to end up being with MJF, but it's playing out exactly the way that I was hoping it would and that I expected it to. I've been saying that MJF should be the one who eventually takes that championship from CM Punk. Bring it back around to the two of them. MJF can get that, finally get that last big win over Punk and really stick it to him. His future, though, is in question. I don't know what the future holds for MJF. But Punk is now the AEW World Champion. This is not the end of the issue between Punk and Hangman. This is only the beginning, and I said this in the predictions. Going into the pay-per-view, it felt like this this can't be a one-and-done. This wasn't built up enough on television to where this you're going to do this once and then move on to something else. This is the beginning of something bigger. Is it the beginning of a, of a Hangman Page heel turn? It might be. It might be. That's kind of what it felt like here in this match. Coming out of this now, he's going to be he's going to be a madman, right? Because he had Punk dead to rights, and he tried to do things the right way. He couldn't bring himself to cheat, and it cost him. Punk made him pay the price for it. This might just send him over the edge. We also are heading into a pay per view in Chicago next month called Forbidden Door. I thought maybe there'd be some kind of Forbidden Door cameo tonight. There was nothing of that sort. Uh, or maybe at the end of the pay-per-view somebody would come out, but uh, there was no uh, cameo appearance or anything like that. But Punk against Okada is still, I think, a very likely match for that Forbidden Door show. We could now be setting up for champion against champion, non-title, of course, but champion against champion at Forbidden Door. It's very possible. To me, it's one of two scenarios. We either get Punk against Okada in Chicago next month, or we get Punk and Hangman. They could do Punk and Hangman on that show. And you leave Okada. Okada and Tanahashi as a tag team against Moxley and Danielson. That would be a great match. But maybe they do the rematch between Punk and Hangman in Chicago. I don't know. They, they have some options, uh, but that is the next big uh, pay-per-view coming up. So, again, I thought the main event was very good. I thought the second half of the show really helped lift the show up out of the doldrums because it was kind of going downhill there for a little bit. But there, there weren't that many bad matches on the show. I mean, I thought that the TBS title match was bad. Uh, I, I did not like the uh, mixed trios match. I was not a fan of that. And I thought the Owen Hart Foundation matches, I think both of them, especially the men's one, uh, they weren't bad, but they were kind of, uh, they were kind of disappointing. They were, they were underwhelming to me. But you look at everything else on the show, an excellent tag team championship match, a very good, if not excellent, main event. Uh, a surprisingly very good singles match with Darby Allen and Kyle O'Reilly. MJF and Wardlow is exactly what it needed to be. It wasn't one of the better MJF matches I've seen, but it was exactly what it had to be. The House of Black match was excellent. Thunder Rose's match, also very good. So there's a lot of good shit on this show. It's just very long. I keep coming back to that. These shows don't need to be long. Really, I, I just think... The perfect length of a show, you want to have a solid six to eight match card. You want to push it and go to 10, maybe 13. 
And this whole thing where, you know, we're not going to send the main event to the ring until the NBA game is over. I mean, again, you know, I paid 50 bucks for this show. I don't give a shit about the NBA game. You know what I mean? Like, people have already paid for the show. It's not like a television show where you're trying to figure out, okay, what's coming on after the commercial break? Uh, just, just give me the matches that I paid to see. You know what I mean? So that's my little gripe. But uh, overall, I did think it was a very good show. I enjoyed it on the whole. Let's take a look at the Twitter poll. We've got almost 2,000 votes in. And uh, 70% thumbs up. About 20% of you gave this a thumbs in the middle. About 10% thumbs down. I think that's pretty much in line with what I was just saying. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Not not one of the best AEW pay-per-views. I don't put it you know ahead of All Out last year or even Revolution. But uh, I thought it was a very good show. And... Now we begin the build to the Forbidden Door, and that's going to be very interesting to see who we get to see on television in these next few weeks. You know, they're going to be in in the forum on Wednesday. That's going to be a big show. Might we see some big New Japan names pop up on that show? Might we see someone like an Okada or a Tanahashi make an appearance on that show? Possible. I would think it's possible. Uh, by the way, I want to give a shout-out to all of our, and I've seen a, a bunch of you guys uh, all throughout the night. I want to give a shout-out to all of our channel members. If you uh, would like to consider becoming a channel member, uh, you may do so by hitting the join button below this video. It'll give you the details on the two different tiers that there are. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Christopher Bergs, Fernando B., Chris Young, and Ben Spear, all of whom have been channel members of at least four months and all of whom have re-upped in the last uh, 24 hours or so. Chris is one of our Sound of Legends, so uh, thank you, brother. Thank you to uh, everybody who has uh, supported tonight and uh, all throughout the month of May. I really do appreciate that. So let's uh, switch on over here because I know you guys have a lot to say about this show. And if you have questions, comments about not just the pay-per-view, but the MJF situation, anything like that, send them on in. I will, uh, I will do my best to read and try to answer whatever questions you may have. <laughs> Philly Sports says he thinks Ibushi is going to show up and trash New Japan. I can I guarantee you that will not happen. I will guarantee you that will not happen. I had an update on Ibushi, by the way, on the podcast earlier uh, this weekend, episode 758. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So uh, if you missed it, give that a listen. Full podcast, a lot of good stuff in there this week, including the full update on what the uh, latest is. The New Japan reaction to Kota Ibushi, they're not going to let him go, which is kind of surprising. I thought that he had burned that bridge, and apparently they realize he's a big name and they don't want to lose him. So we will uh, we will have to see how that turns out. <laughs> yes, it would, it would be fun. I'm not saying it wouldn't be amusing, but no. You know, Ibushi is dealing with some stuff right now. After he came out with all those wild tweets and everything, he also mentioned that his mother 
the, the next day, I think, his mother uh, attempted to commit suicide. And she injured, I think, a, a bone in her back, so she got hurt, but she's still alive. She's still okay. Thankfully, she was not successful. Uh, he, he's got some serious shit that he's dealing with right now. Uh, Groovy Goose, thank you for the $1.99. Says, uh, good show so far. He's referring to the pay-per-view. Says, good show so far. <laughs> Says, you'll, you'll see this in about three hours. Yeah. Well, we kind of knew that going in, I think. Hey, Darth Panic. What's going on, Darth? Yeah, 493 likes. Let's get that up. We had over 2K in here before. We can, we can at least get to... Uh, I think at least 600 before we get out of here tonight. Uh, King Bling Blah, 499. Is AEW's current roster the most stacked in pro wrestling history? If not, name a promotion and year with a more stacked roster. I love it in theaters. Yeah, they, they show the pay-per-view in uh, movie theaters. So uh, I have not had that experience. Why go to a movie theater when you can just watch it from home? But, uh, yes, I um, can't think off the top of my head. I mean, there's a pretty stacked roster. You know, the WCW roster, <clears throat> back during the Monday Night War era, when they had the top names mixed in with the younger guys and the uh, cruiserweights, you had a nice blend of talent. That was a pretty stacked roster that they had. But they didn't have nearly as many people as AEW has at the moment. And they had a lot of people under contract even then who we never got to see too much of. Uh, but the AEW roster right now, it's, it's so big and there's so many, you know, diverse styles represented. It's, it's hard for me to sit here and think of a more stacked roster uh, than the one that Tony Khan has put together. Uh, Groovy Goose says uh, he was tapping out for the, he tapped out three hours ago. Look at this. If Punk wins, do you see the world title going Punk, Wardlow, MJF, or still Punk to MJF? We have to wait and see. Impossible to know. It completely, it completely depends on the situation with MJF, and we just don't, we just don't have any answers yet. So it's just, it's impossible to say. Uh, Frank Aquilino, four ninety nine. Uh, Darby has now lost to MJF, Punk, Jeff Hardy, and now Kyle O'Reilly. The burial of Darby continues. I thought Darby would win tonight because, you know, he lost in the opening round of the Owen. I mean, O'Reilly ended up losing also, but I figure, you know, it'd be a nice rebound win for him against the tag team guy. Uh, that was really what surprised me the most about him not winning tonight. Uh, Thunder Knight, Mia Yim in Impact, Athena in AEW. What about Nixon Newell, Tegan Knox? Uh, I've not heard anything about Tegan Knox. Uh, or Candice LeRae, for that matter. Uh, Chris Perry, why does it feel like there are no rules in a tag team match? Anyone in the ring at any time, two-on-two or six-man? Yeah, AEW needs to do a better job with their officiating. Um, it, it's way too chaotic in matches where there actually are supposed to be rules. You know, in, in a match like the Anarchy match we had tonight, it's, it's fucking Anarchy. It's in the name. But, uh, yes, I agree. They, they need to do a better job of uh, enforcing the rules. 
Nick Rosso, $9.99. What up, Solid Monster? Decent show, not great. With very questionable booking decisions, both Cole and Baker did not need to win, and Darby losing again. Not crazy about the booking. Lakers Pats won. Britt Baker is overrated. I do not see the hype. Lakers Pat says this double or nothing show felt like WrestleMania 35 with the runtime. Don't remind me. I was at WrestleMania 35. Marquan. $5 super chat. Just bought a Sunday night sound off t-shirt. Hell yeah. Yeah, I forgot to mention that there is an ongoing Memorial Day uh, t-shirt sale on Pro Wrestling Tees right now. So he got the 20% discount. If you were thinking about a sound off shirt, I would get on that before noon tomorrow when the sale ends. You can get 20% off any shirt in our store. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Solomonster Sounds Up. you got to type in the full name of the show. Uh, Joshua Edwards, thank you for the five. Drew, a lot of apathy from the crowd about Punk's win. Uh, I didn't sense that. I didn't sense that. Or if there was, I don't think it was anything that was uh, overwhelming or anything like that. But again, if there was, part of it may have just been how, how late in the night it was. Uh, Mario. Never thought I would see the day that CM Punk would be world champion again. Red Emissary of Darkness, to quote Deadlock, the TNT belt used to be number one belt in the company at one point, and then it got coomed on. Feels bad, man. I don't get the reference, but, uh, all right. Uh, Boots, where was front row green shirt guy? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he got COVID. Hopefully, hopefully he's uh, feeling okay. Uh, we got a super chat here. Love from Dubai. It's 9 a.m. I enjoyed the pay-per-view. It's going to be 9 a.m. here. It's going to be 9 a.m. here soon also. Uh, Quintus Brown. Very good pay-per-view tonight. The second half of the pay-per-view was great. Let the summer of punk 2022 begin. Anti-Am Bishop. Evening Solemn Monster. Hog was great Friday night. As for Double or Nothing tonight, it was a stellar production. All the best. Yeah, we had a great show on Friday night at the Hog Show. You can get the replay on uh, Fight TV. Hiru, first time watching an AEW pay-per-view in a theater and had a blast. Was not a fan of some of the finishes. And to the dude shouting FCM Punk, how does it taste? Hashtag new champ. Zach Jones want to publicly use this space to say CM Punk botched way more than I thought he would tonight, and that my opinion of him as a worker went down a lot. Yeah, he didn't look good on those uh, buckshot attempts, but that is not a move that he is used to trying. Uh, I don't know why he went back to it again. I mean, I guess it was part of the story of the match, but yeah, that did not look good. Uh, Juan Sanchez. Buy, sell, or rent on the words buy, sale, or rent, but you can't put the same words with each other. It's too obvious. Thank you, Juan. It's, it's, uh, it's too late for this stuff, but thank you, Juan. Uh, GCC305 with the $10 Super Chat. Uh, today I'm celebrating 11 years of sobriety. Unfortunately, CM Punk winning the AEW Championship almost made me break my sobriety. Ah, come on. 
Don't say, don't say that. Zombified guitarist. Actually, let me put on some. Nah, I won't do that. I'm going to put some music on. I don't want to make. I don't want to make that worse though. If there's an echo. Uh, zombified guitarist. That crowd was either sedated or non-mite. Uh, tone deaf. Fifteen dollars super chat. Thank you, tone deaf. Punk refused to put Hangman over, just like Triple H did to him. You die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I used to respect Phil Brooks, but never again. Man, Punk Punk getting a lot of hate tonight. Joshua Edwards, Eddie Kingston walking down the ramp with gasoline was terrifying. I'm telling you, the sight of him with the blood, that look on his face and that gas can, was like something out of a horror movie. Uh, Ryan Eagler... $50 Super Chat drop. Holy shit. I don't know if Ryan is still with us, but Ryan, thank you. Between Jeff Hardy, Darby Allen, and Ricky Starks nearly killing themselves in the lackluster MJF Wardlow match, this just feels like a very average show by AEW standards. GCC, Tony Khan signed the right Roosh to AEW. So glad Roosh and Athena are signed. Uh, Derek Kane, House of Black match was great. Want more. Solo Malachi. I've been calling for it for, for months now. I want more Malachi Black in singles matches. Cassidy Grooms, thanks for everything you do for us, bro. Thank you, Cassidy. I appreciate that. Uh, Shinakuma, thank you for the two bucks. Mitsubishi. I've never driven a Mitsubishi before. Are they good? Are they good cars? Says, uh, hello, I just wanted to say hello. And keep up the great work. The Vegemite delight. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Stone Norton. I've been listening to you since I found you talking about the time that CM Punk was on the art of wrestling. I just wanted to send some love for the first time. Uh, donator. Well, thank you, Stone Norton. That was from uh, episode 156. I could be wrong. Maybe not. No, that's not 150. What am I talking about? That, that 156 was from like 2009, maybe, or 2010. I've been doing this for so long. That might have been episode 356 or, or somewhere around there that I did that whole CM Punk episode covering the podcast that he did with uh, Colt Cabana, who apparently, evidently, Colt Cabana has been banished, unofficially banished, to Ring of Honor. I wonder, I wonder if that has to do with CM Punk being on the AEW roster. Uh, Alvin Johnson, fun show for me. Anarchy in the arena was my favorite match. Loved everything about it. Sucks about Hangman, though. I think now it is set in stone that he had the weakest world title reign. Uh, Del Fuego, good show. Seven and a half out of ten. Do you think this will be Punk's final reign? Do you think this will be a six-month title reign? Yes, I do. I think he'll get some time. I think they very likely will be his final run. His final run as a world champion. Uh, Dick the Cock Johnson. Interesting that Roosh did not get the all-league graphic. I wonder if Tony Khan knows about his bad reputation and is just giving him a trial run for now. Sean Waters, after tonight, feel like I've uh, had to take a nap before I go to the Forbidden Door in four weeks, but thank you for staying up for us. Daniel Tucker, $12 Super Chat. Hats off to the mixed trios for getting the crowd into that match after the title ceremony. Emotional moment. 
And long night for those fans, they were awesome. Zombified guitarist Young Bucks carried that match. Well, look, I mean, Matt, Matt and Jeff are not what they used to be. But I thought that they held their own in there today. You know, it's just that Jeff, his fucking boot came undone. So, what are you going to do in that situation? You're going to be doing swanton bombs off the top rope with a loose boot. You know, you got to move a little bit slower. You got to take your time. It just, it made things a little, you know, a little, a little awkward there. Lone Wolf in the chat. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Nayef Alsafar, thank you for the double. Thank you for the double shot. Matthew Hender, if MJF is done, which I don't think is the case, uh, referee Bryce Remsburg confiscated and pocketed the Dynamite Diamond Ring. At least they won't have a situation like Hanson, Flair, Brett, or Medusa. Uh, Nash DTV, currently watching the Double or Nothing replay, just wanted to pop in to show the best pro wrestling podcast some love. Shout out to Nash DTV. JM. What can I say? JM with that $200 bomb. I'm in a really bad mood because I'm pissed about this audio stuff, but uh, that put a smile on my face. Says, I enjoyed the show. Great to see the fallen goddess Athena. I miss seeing her work. I like her theme, and it gives me Wonder Woman vibes, which is apropos. Cheers to you, Solomonster, and keep up the great work. Thank you, JM. That is very much appreciated. Very cool of you to do that. Quintus Brown, Tony Khan just unloaded on Bischoff at the media scrum. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, Bischoff, Bischoff has been uh, going after him on a whole bunch of different things. So uh, I think that, that, that receipt was a long time in the making. Uh, Stadium J, a very long show, but a solid pay-per-view. I'm concerned that none of the pillars of AEW haven't even sniffed the world title yet. This is the third ex-WWE wrestler to hold the AEW title. Uh, Nathan Cadia. 499. If not for AEW, I wouldn't be a wrestling fan today. So it sucks to say that this will be the last pay-per-view I will order. 12 matches over four and a half hours is insane. Yeah, they've got to work on the pacing of these pay-per-views. I understand Tony Khan, it's like, hey, we're, we're giving you a lot of great wrestling. you gotta, you got to cut down on the number of matches. You just, there, there's no need for these shows to be as long as they are. There's, there's just no... Need for it. And, and frankly, it's one of the reasons why I suggested on the podcast today, uh, or yesterday, that I think AEW has a big enough roster at this point. They can support five or six pay-per-views a year instead of four. You could easily get to half a dozen. Maybe that will help alleviate things. If they run a couple of extra shows, maybe they won't feel the need to put everything on this one show because they don't have another one until September. Yeah, I can see that. Like, oh, we don't have another pay-per-view until All Out. We have to get all these people and then have as many matches as possible on the show. Uh, no, you don't. You don't. You really don't. You cut some of those TV matches we saw tonight from the card, and you would have one of the better AEW pay-per-views. But again, you had some of those matches in the middle that didn't really need to be on the show. Uh, Lone Wolf. Moxley's music playing throughout the match gave me New Jack. ECW vibes. 
Uh, Eric Decker, Decker wild, wild thing, thing playing in the background, background made sense. Everybody was being a wild thing. Aha. Uh -huh. Thank you, Eric. Do not pass go. Solomonster versus microphone in a hair versus cable match. I'm going to strangle myself with this cable when we're done here. Uh, Matthew's son, I only just noticed Hangman never shook Punk's hand, even unconscious. Do you see Hangman going full heel and getting his rematch? Uh, yes, he will get his rematch. Uh, going heel? If I had to take a guess, I would say yes, but... Going, getting another match, it's a given. This, this can't be over. This is the beginning. This is not the end. We've got the Carlosis. $19 Super Chat. Happy that MJF did the job for Wardlow. Disappointing if you no-showed. If he finds it hard to get on with the AEW backstage producers, no way he is able to handle the waste of skin. Wow. The waste of skin in WWE telling him what he cannot say. Uh, tone deaf. First chat was a joke, by the way, solo, if it was not obvious. It's all good. Uh, King Bling Blah did anarchy in the arena Trump Stadium Stampede. I, I think it may have. Turtlehead. That anti-CM Punk guy should read the ESPN article about him. Guys like Hobbs, Darby, Caster, FTR, etc., Respected. Uh, HBKC83, in your opinion, who is next in line for a tag team title shot? I mean, you know, take your pick. I, I still, I guess it was Swerve, though, right? It was Swerve who took the losing fall, so, you know, it's harder to say that they could still, you know, put them back in there with Lee and Swerve. You got, look, you got Malachi and Brody King. Right, you got them. So FTR has has said they want to go back after the AEW tag team titles. It could be FTR. Uh, Matt Omen, what do you think about an AEW brand split? They have more than enough talent to make it happen. I know you hate WWE's brand split, but is that only because WWE sucks at sticking to it? Yes, but I also think Tony Khan is overworked. Is Tony Khan going to be able to handle a brand split? I don't know. I I don't think I don't think it's necessary right now. I would not. I just I'm not a huge fan of doing that. So I would say no. Uh, King Bling Blah zero to hundred. What are the odds of MJF situation being work? Uh, I would put that at a ten. Joshua Edwards, imagine if AEW on Wednesday kicks off with Okada's AEW debut and then immediately after his music stops, Omega returns to set up a match. Exactly how it happened in 2011 to set up Triple H against The Undertaker. I would not hold my breath on Kenny Omega having a match at Forbidden Door. King Bling Blah, use Rampage before the pay-per-view to lighten the pay-per-view load. It's tough because Rampage is only an hour. So, you know, you, you, could, you could. You could take a couple of those matches and put them on there. It's not, it's not a long enough show to just dump, you know, three or four matches on there, though. Uh, we got O. Harold. Actually, uh, I, wanna, I think I missed Ace of Mastiff. Let me go back here. 
I don't want to. I don't want to miss Ace of Mastiff. Nine ninety nine. Fun show, but too long for sure. Looking forward to the aftermath in person at Dynamite in L.A. Oh, Food Hive. He's upset. He missed the whole stream. Well, apparently you uh, you 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 may have you may have missed uh, not as much as you may think if uh, people couldn't hear me, but. Now I'm being told the audio is bad. I'm getting so many conflicting messages about the audio. One person says it's better. One person says it is. And I, I don't know what. To, I think everybody is having a different experience based on how you're listening to this. So if you're if you got AirPods in, it might sound different than it would if you're just listening on a speaker, or if you're watching on TV. I just know that I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna watch it back, and I'm just gonna bang my head against the wall. So it's something. It's 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 got to be something with the connection. It's got to be something with the connection because when I unplugged it a, a couple of minutes ago and I plugged it back in, it didn't take. I had to push it down and then it finally took. So there's something going on here. Uh, oh, Harold, when is the next time you're playing WWE 2K22? Love those videos. Also, do you think Darby Allen will ever win the world title? I do. I can't tell you when, but I think you will. Uh, I'm hoping to do another 2K video this week, unless I have a microphone that doesn't work. Uh, I would hope to do one maybe later this week. Uh, there's some other things going on that I'm taking care of this week with the uh, with the show that might take up more of my time than I would like. I'm, I'm going to be migrating a few things over somewhere new, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm hoping to do a 2K video this week. Uh, Mr. J... I hope AEW continues to do well. I think this show was better than WrestleMania 38. Uh, Darth Panic, $10 Super Chat. Tony Khan should let MJF walk if he does not want to be there. In my opinion, MJF is overrated. Tony Khan has plenty of talent he can elevate. Don't stress about the audio issues. Stuff happens. Thank you for staying up late. So Joshua Edwards says he just saw Tony Khan's CM Punk rant in the post-show media scrum. What what rant would he have gone on about CM Punk? Somebody's got to fill me in on that. Uh, what's going on there? And uh, King Bling, they have done a two-hour rampage before. They have, but they didn't this week. So... I'm just saying there's no guarantee that they'll be able to always do a two-hour rampage. If they could do a two-hour rampage, absolutely. You can ship some of those matches over there. Those usually air live, so it's not, you don't have to worry about them being taped. And uh, Devin Garcia, here's two bucks to start the Solomonster Audio Fund. <laughs> yeah, we may have, we may have to start a, a Solomonster Audio Fund here if this uh, keeps up. But I do believe, Devin, that uh, I believe with you I am all caught up. Well, that was certainly a late night. Later later than I had uh, wanted it to be. Especially since I'm supposed to be up at 6.30. <laughs> I'm supposed... And even when I get out of here, I have to edit, I have to, you know... We're going to see. We're going to see if I can get up at 6.30. That's going to be a very interesting... Oh, that... Okay, Bischoff. Is that what people are referencing? Joshua Joshua said uh, CM Punk. I thought you made it sound like he was going off on Punk. 
But there were some issues with Punk and Bischoff. So that he's referring to Bischoff. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I'm not watching it tonight. But uh, I will definitely have to watch that tomorrow. HBK, C83. With the Danielson and Kingston dynamic, we will see another match between the two during the Jericho Appreciation Society and BCC feud. Well, I I had predicted that the uh, Jericho group would win and it would build to blood and guts. I stand by that prediction. I believe that we will end up getting a blood and guts rematch with them uh, probably on an episode of Dynamite in July. You can mark that down. That that's my that's my prediction. Boy, TK threw some f bombs. Huh? Boy, he must have been really upset. Well, look, I'm sure the MJF stuff probably has him on edge too. You know, if you believe the MJF stuff is legit, and I believe it is, uh, he's probably been very stressed out over that as well. So maybe tonight was just his way. Now that the show is over, to kind of blow off some steam, and he just decided to fucking go off. All right, let me throw a very quick, uh, I don't want to leave you guys hanging. I will throw you a very quick be the booker here before we get out of here. We will do a, a men's and, we had a men's and women's Owen Hart final. Let's do a men's and women's be the booker. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to be the booker. We will begin with the men. No, I guess we're going to begin with the women. I had the women open. I guess. I guess we're starting with... Actually, no. We're going to start with the men. Fuck that. We're going to start with the guys. We always start with the guys. And uh, we begin here with... Oh, look at this. Look at this. It's our boy, Luther. What is that on his forehead? What is that red dot? Is that supposed to be a planet or something? What is that supposed to be? Anyway, Luther... We've got Luther going one-on-one with Joseph Park Esquire. I love Joseph Park Esquire. When I was watching Impact full-time a number of years ago, he became my favorite character on the show. I love Joseph Park Esquire. I cannot... I cannot give a Luther match anything but a buzzer. <laughs> it just, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not possible. So uh, let's start here on the, uh, on the lady side. See if we have better luck here. We've got uh, Gail Kim, former Impact Knockouts champion. All right, well, we're already off to a better start here. We've got Gail Kim going one-on-one with Emma Tennille Dashwood. I'm going to give I'm going to give that the bell. I'm not going to give that the buzzer. I I think that could be a very good match. Gail Kim against Tennille Dashwood. I'll take that over uh, Mr. Luther match. I'm sure Luther is a very nice guy. I know he and Chris Jericho have been friends for uh, 50 years or something, but in the ring, he's uh, he's no good. Actually, I, I actually met Gail Kim. I interviewed her. I interviewed Gail Kim many years ago, five years ago. 
So yes, I am I am a fan of Gail Kim's work. Never got her just due in WWE. Only woman in history to eliminate herself from a battle royal and leave and never to be seen again. If you're going to go out, you got to go out in style. You got to go out that way. Anyway, uh, I'm going to let you guys go. I know it's late. You guys want to get to bed, uh, as do I. So I want to thank you for your support. Again, if if you did experience audio issues tonight, uh, I apologize, but I will try to figure out what is going on here. So uh, hopefully we can get that cleared up uh, before Wednesday, because if not, then that's going to be a problem. But uh, I am going to be back live with you Wednesday night. It's going to be a big dynamite. First Dynamite out in California. It's a big show at the Forum. So uh, I hope to see you there. And again, if you missed episode 758 of the podcast, it dropped earlier uh, today. Definitely go ahead and check that out. Almost two hours long, talking about a whole bunch of different things. From MJF to Kota Ibushi to WWE moving money in the bank to a smaller building. And uh, Mandy Rose having a, uh, a ball bag opened up on her. Should you not? That actually happened this week. Yes, I still watch NXT. I don't know why. So anyway, go check that out. And uh, again, thank you for all the support, all of our channel members, all of the super chats. You guys came out in full force tonight. JM again, my God. And uh, I will see you guys on Wednesday night for the Dynamite stream. Take care, guys.